Are you obsessed with Los Angeles? Head over heels in love with the City of Angels? Well, this is the podcast for you. At Lifehacks LA, we hack the best in arts, eats, and activities in Los Angeles. So join us and become an LA hacker. What's up, LA hackers? Welcome to episode number 80. This is your host, Stefan, and this is the Lifehacks LA podcast. In this episode, we have a conversation with Catherine Spires, an LA food journalist and historian. Now, most of us are LA foodies as a hobby, but she has made a career of it. She used to be the food editor for LA Weekly and has been involved with the LA food scene for many years. In fact, she is also the co-creator of the famous Rogue 99 list, which lists out 99 of the most essential LA eateries. And now she's keeping up with her love of LA food with an excellent podcast called The Smart Mouth. So we actually did this interview as a video interview on Instagram Live, and we had tons of fun. There was some technical problems connecting in that interview, but once we got it all going, it was so much fun, and I'm glad we got it all figured out for you. But uh, in the conversation, Catherine teaches us some awesome LA food history. She shares some foods that were actually invented right here in Los Angeles, and we both just had a lot of fun talking about our favorite LA spots. As always, stay tuned for the end, and I'll share my own little LA food hack, and this one is going to be all about pop-ups, so you're not gonna wanna miss it. All right, enjoy this conversation with Catherine Spires, and I'll see you on the other side. We're back. Remember me? We're going to try this one more time. All right, so let me see if I can get Catherine in here. I don't want you guys to miss this. Okay. We are back. I just sent you a request. There she is. Yay, oh it worked. <laughs> oh, my God. Normally, I That was leave. awful. Normally I just read, well, the, you know, the nice thing is that those lives went away. I just deleted them. So only like the 12 people who saw me going. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm so oh, glad. That was, that was terrible. Okay. Let me uh, pin a comment. So people who join, if you're just joining us, we had some serious um, technical difficulties earlier, but we got it all figured out and I'm happy for it because I'm so excited to talk to you, Catherine. And one you. of the reasons I'm excited is because I know about some of the foods that are invented in Los Angeles, just a few, but uh -huh. I'm the type of person that I Google everything. And so uh -huh. I've just been resisting Googling because I wanted to hear from you, right? So I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to abstain from Googling this information. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, Catherine, so you're an LA-based food writer, and you're also the host of the podcast um, Smart Mouth. But before we get into talking about food, and specifically, we're going to talk about uh, food in Los Angeles, the history of it. And we're also going to talk about food that foods that have been invented in Los Angeles. I wanted to know a little bit about you. So where are you from originally and, and what's your relationship with LA? Well, I was born in San Francisco, so I'm technically a native Californian, but I mostly grew up in Seattle and then went to college in Santa Barbara and then moved here immediately after that. So kind of like a West Coast for life situation. Nice. So nice. I lived here for like 16 years, I think. And I love it. I love LA. Yeah, people, me too. A lot of people don't get it at first, and it is a hard city to kind of crack into, but once you do, it's the best. You know, I'm from Seattle originally. You are? Yeah, from Seattle. Where in Seattle? Well, when I last moved, I was in Bothell, but I grew up in North Seattle, like the Shoreline area. Bothell? My mom lived in Woodenville. Oh, okay. You know, back in the day, that seemed like it was so far, but now it's like, now it's not like not a big deal at all. You know, it's, like I know, it's a suburb now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I go, I go back like once a year, but every time I go back, I'm just like, Oh, thank God I live here because of the weather, you know? Yes, exactly. No, the, there's only two nice weather months in Seattle every year, August and September. 
That's Definitely. It. That's the number one thing. Every time someone asks me about Seattle, I'm like, go in August. Yes. Don't risk it in August. Yeah. It's so beautiful. But um, okay, so let's talk about your food career because most of us love food here in Los Angeles. But how did you go into that career path where you decided to devote your um, your career to writing about food in LA? Well, I think that I always wanted to be like a journalist, but more like the lifestyle culture type of journalism. Um, and I did some art stuff while I was in college, arts coverage. And then I think just when I moved here, there was, I mean, obviously, um, especially 16 years ago, LA is a more interesting food city than Seattle is. So like discovering everything that was available in foods that I had no, not necessarily tried before, it was um, like, how could I not write about it? If I wanted to be a writer, of course I was gonna write about food is how I yeah. thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, you know, Seattle's gotten a lot better. But I remember growing up in Seattle, um, I would come to LA a lot because I had family and stuff here. And I realized until I moved here that I didn't even really know what a taco was, like a proper taco. Like LA, oh. it was kind of like a Taco Bell taco. It's like sour cream. Yes, and... that is so crazy because that's what I say too. Like before I moved to Santa Barbara, really, but I didn't know the difference between a taco and a burrito. Like, and I didn't know that I didn't know the difference. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what's a good place that they have in Seattle, though? It's fast what? food, but uh, it's taco time. Taco you know, time. They have everyone, yeah, everyone the who crispy has a taco. taco time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I get off the plane, I hit, I hit Dick's and I hit Taco Time. Those are like yeah. the two places. Yeah, I'm but, with you on Dick's. That's like, I always go right there, but sometimes the line is literally down the block. It's crazy that it's still that popular for just yeah. like, well, I mean, I know there's a couple of them. They're all crazy popular. Yeah. It's not only popular, but uh, it's pretty fascinating that they've still been able to keep the prices down pretty low. So anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Seattle and basically there's a place called Dick's. It's very similar to In-N-Out. There's not as many locations, but it's got that nostalgia for the people that live there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, their prices are really low. So I don't, know what they're doing in terms of their food sourcing <laughs> but they pay yeah. people well they pay people a living wage they pay know. People like um uh daycare fees and they pay for people to go to college so like in terms of how they treat their humans they're a really ethical fast food company which is so rare so that's cool and again similar to in and out because i think they like help with college and healthcare and yep. all kinds of stuff but yep but uh, it's interesting that you said that you moved here 16 years ago because one of the main questions i wanted to ask you was about the food scene and how it's changed in Los Angeles over the past 10 years, because I've had a lot of chefs on and, and people in the food industry in LA, and a lot of them seem to agree that things totally changed about 10 to 12 years ago. Have you found that? And what do you attribute that to if you do agree with that? So, yeah, I mean, I do think that that's true. I think that the LA food scene has always been interesting and always had stuff, interesting stuff going on. Like if you, if you're like me and you read newspaper articles from like the 1850s, you're like, oh my God, like they were into food, <laughs> like as soon as they started building buildings. Um, but, but so I think that it's always gotten better, but the media didn't pay attention. Mm -hmm. and, and then I think like 15 years ago, that's sort of like Jonathan Gold and when Anthony Bourdain was hitting the scene and the media was kind of like, oh, we don't just have to talk about like the expensive places. Like spago and then that's yeah. it we don't know anything more about la dining so i think that la has always been continually improving itself food wise but the media finally caught on and then once the media catches on then other chefs in other cities are like oh damn like la sounds like a great place to be a chef and in terms mm -hmm. of your audience it's probably the best in the country like it's so crazy to me that 
the stereotype persists that Angelinos don't eat, that like we're only <laughs> green juice and that's it. We eat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just yeah. go on any foodie account and you'll see. Yeah, but, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you say that uh, about the outside world respecting it over those 10 years, because now that you mentioned it, I mean, all those um, big celebrities that come up and now, now uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain is no longer with us, unfortunately. I don't think Jonathan Gold has passed too, right? They both passed away. Yeah. yeah. And that, but I, there's a show on Netflix I watch, Phil. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, what's his name? Um, uh, somebody feed Phil, I think is what it's somebody called. It's had two yeah. different names. Yeah. He, he but, loves um, LA food too. Like he's always yeah. doing LA stuff. Yeah. And yeah. he's also a big investor of LA restaurants. So oh, really? really putting his money where his mouth is, which yeah. is cool. He's got my yeah. dream job. Just like go to restaurants, hang out, <laughs> eat food, talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah. He, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, one of the things I did a little bit of research on you, and I know you love like the diversity of um, food in Los Angeles, but so I wanted to ask you because we all know about the tacos, we all know about the noodles and the Asian food, but is there any food um, from another country that you think kind of flies under the radar in Los Angeles that you think people would truly enjoy? It's a little underrated from another so, country. That's kind of hard just because like you ask one person, do you know that LA is good as this? And they'll say no. And another person will say yes, but mm. In terms of like not the ones that get the most attention, I was thinking Peruvian because we do have great Peruvian food, but you don't necessarily hear it talked about a lot. That's but true. then there's there's obviously like a ton of Pollo Alabrasa places. And then there's also like some ceviche places that are really good. There's one in Covina called Miski Miski, which has like some of the best seafood I've ever had in my life. Like yeah. who knew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that one. And then maybe Russian, like specifically Russian as opposed to Armenian, because mm -hmm. there are some places that like didn't go through Armenia. Um, and then like the delis, we have great Russian delis. And I didn't really know that until I started going to this place in East Hollywood called Karabakh. Mm -hmm. And it has no joke, the best baba ganoush I've ever had in my entire life. Like, oh, wow. No I. <laughs> Man, I try to try everything, and I don't think I've had Russian food here. I've actually had Russian food in Seattle, but I, I, I haven't had it here, so I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, I think Seattle's more known for Russian, but, like, I feel like we have almost everything. We definitely, yeah, almost everything, and we're getting more stuff all the time. Like, I just found out about a Ugandan restaurant in the Valley, and I was oh, like, Oh, wow. What? Ugandan? <laughs> I've never <laughs> had that. We're driving there right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is interactive, so let, let's take a look at because we're getting a lot of comments here. One person asked, um, were catering trucks invented in L.A.? I know food trucks became really popular out of Los Angeles, but do you know if they were started here or were they started somewhere else? No, basically any place that has, like, um, workers has food trucks. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think you can say it was invented in any particular place. Obviously, L.A. was the place that made them hip. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I remember that was about 10 to 12 years ago. Um, Boy Choi and uh, yeah. people like that really blew that up. Yeah, he was yeah. definitely like the godfather of, well, and he knew how to like use Twitter and stuff like that. He like had all the oh, right yeah. parts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so um, just to reset everyone in the room here, we're so I'm talking to Catherine Spires. From, see how I got that right? Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's a uh, LA food writer. She's also the host of the Smart Mouth podcast. And we're giving away $25. I'm giving away 20 I said we. Now I'm going to give away $25 for the best <laughs> question, but I'm going to let you pick the best question at the end. 
So nice. if you have a question for Catherine or if you have anything, and it's going to be a gift certificate to any LA restaurant you choose. So um, before I get back to my questions, let's um, let's look at some stuff that people are saying. Someone said Peruvian food is delicious. That yep. is very true. You know, I had Peruvian food the first time. Yeah, it was just because I worked with a guy who was Peruvian, and then he then he took us there. But I probably it, it definitely flies under the radar if you're just like, you know, not involved in that culture. You know, it's 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 not like you can spot one on every corner like a Mexican restaurant or something. Yeah, no, there's Mario's Peruvian that is packed with a line every night, not during a pandemic. Um, but you never hear it talked about. Yeah, it's just like that's everybody true. who knows knows. And that's yeah. obviously good enough to keep them in business. <laughs> All right. We got La LA Papusas DTLA. I've been there before. You guys got great pupusas. Um, Caribbean food is underrated in LA. I'm not sure if it's underrated, but I know I love it. I mean, I love jerk chicken. I love all that stuff. Every Caribbean food I've been to in Los Angeles has been delicious. Have you been to some Caribbean food? Places. Yeah, I actually wrote an article a year or two back about what well, must have been at least two years ago about how that's kind of another one that doesn't get very much love. And I think it's because compared to like New York, yeah, we don't have a lot of Caribbean food compared to mm -hmm. New York. That is for sure. But there are a ton of places in the Valley and in South LA that are like, they're doing really good Caribbean food. Um, like, and then Belizean food too. We have almost like all the countries <laughs> represented. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you're really looking for a certain type of food, you're going to have a really good shot of finding it in Los Angeles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially because now, because of the pandemic, um, it's not just sit-down restaurants. There's people serving food out of their homes. There's people setting yeah. up card tables, like which people have already done. But there's more of that kind of non-traditional restaurant activity going on that I think is going to keep going on even after we're all vaccinated. So there's two that I want to try that I've heard about recently. Actually, one of these I've heard about a while, but I, it's hard to get in. So it's basically uh, Calabama. You heard that where she drops a bucket with a sandwich and it's like a Southern yes. style sandwich. But it's yes. so hard. Like you've got like two minutes on a Thursday <laughs> to reserve it. And I always forget. And then it's uh, uh, so frustrating. I know. I know, but isn't that just like, doesn't that speak to, again, how Angelinos love food and food adventures? Because there are adventures. so many of these Instagram-based restaurants now, and yeah, yeah, you aren't on it, you're not getting it. <laughs> yeah, I always say it's not it's not just the food in Los Angeles, it's the experience, you know? Like, so, like yeah. I'm going to name drop a little bit, and Marcus Samuelson, who's a big name Food Network type chef, he was on my podcast, he was actually my first episode ever. And he's from New York. And he said that in New York, when people go out to dinner, it's kind of more about the scene, like mm -hmm. being in the right place. Um, whereas in Los Angeles, he feels, and I agree, that when you go out to dinner, you're going out to dinner. You don't care who else is there, what people are dressed like, anything like that. You want the dang food. <laughs> yeah. And you want something to talk about. Like, it's one thing to say that... Um, Okay, I had this. I had a really good tasting smash burger. It was one of the best tasting smash burgers in my life. You know, your friend's gonna be like, "Oh, okay." But if you say, "Hey, I went to this backyard in Echo Park, and it was behind this alley, and all, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't even know how to enter, but there was this smoke coming out the back, and people were lined <laughs> up around the block." You know what I mean? That's the type yes. of thing where people are like, "Okay, I got to try that." Out. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's that's uh, that LA adventure part you were talking about. Yeah. 
Okay, so guys, the best question we get, we're gonna pick at the end, gets a twenty-five. We're gonna buy I'm gonna buy you lunch tomorrow, twenty-five dollar gift certificate to one of these amazing restaurants we're talking about. But Catherine, I wanted to talk to you about um food that's been invented in Los Angeles. So I mentioned in the beginning, I know of I, I know of two off the top of my head, but I didn't want to research it because I wanted to uh be surprised with everyone else. So can you share with us some foods that have been invented in LA? Yeah. Tell me what the two that you know about are though. Cheeseburger in Pasadena, uh-huh. uh, the French dip by Philippe's or Coles, depending on who you. Right. Those are the two that I knew right away. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I want to Google it so bad, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the story with the French dip, like, people are like, it was either in 1908 or 1918. And I got to figure, like, both those restaurants, Coles and Philippe's, were downtown. They probably kind of both did it. It's, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it, they probably can both credibly claim credit for it. Quick note about the cheeseburger. Um, that was actually on the Pasadena Eagle Rock border. So I think that LA can claim it. Pasadena totally claims uh, it. Have a whole like burger week every year. Yeah, yeah. can get in on that. <laughs> That's when I first heard about it. When I was heard of Pasadena cheese, uh, burger week, I was like, yep. I read the backstory and I was like, oh, so it was like right in Eagle Rock, Pasadena. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish yeah. that place still existed. Obviously that would be packed all the time too. But yeah, the guy just like, put some cheese on a burger. And I, although they didn't get um, the, not the the trademark for it. There is a restaurant somewhere, maybe in Colorado that actually trademarked it, but obviously that's not enforceable. So they were good chefs, but maybe not as good business people. So another one is the Cobb salad. That Oh, wow. Yeah, that was invented at the Brown Derby which was a small chain of restaurants um, in the early part of the 1900s. Um, The one in Hollywood and the one that's now Koreatown were the most popular, like celebrities all the time, (laughs) just like filled to the brims with celebrities. And the owners liked to party with the celebrities. So (laughs) the story goes that one night um, it was like three in the morning and a bunch of like producer dudes, actor dudes, like a bunch of dudes, including the dude who owned it, were all like hanging out in the kitchen. They were like, we're hungry, feed us. And the owner of the Brown Derby just like looked around the kitchen and grabbed anything that was prepared. And what was prepared, eggs and bacon and chicken, and then they had lettuce and all the stuff that goes in it. And then he started selling it. And obviously Cobb salads are wild. Cobb salads. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah. Another salad is, okay, and it's not, like, these are really heavy salads. The other salad is the Chinese chicken salad. So that and the Cobb salad aren't, like, picking your food salads, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a meal. And they charge you like a meal now, too. Like, the Cobb salad costs as much as a steak, basically. Yes. Um, Yeah, so that one was uh, invented at a Chinese restaurant in Santa Monica. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, by a woman who, again, she had this restaurant that was very popular in the 70s. And I think it was Clark Gable was her number one customer. Um, And yeah, I think it was the idea was she was putting a salad on the menu. But then she added chicken and fried noodles (laughs) and orange sections. So again, not the lightest salad. I see that someone asked what a French dip is. And we didn't. It's true. We didn't define it. Yeah, um, I was going to say, you're getting the chance to change someone's life right now because they're going <laughs> to be able to taste a French dip. You can probably do a much better job explaining what it is than I can. It's just, um, traditionally, it's a beef sandwich on um, a French roll baguette type of bread. But the difference is, is that 
it comes with a side of oju. So basically the drippings. And you're supposed to dip the sandwich into the drippings before you eat it. And they said it's traditionally beef, but now um, they have a couple different variations at both Kohl's and Philippe's. I have heard that the one to get at Philippe's is the lamb with blue cheese, mm. which is like a lot of flavors coming at you. But yeah, heard. <laughs> By the way, what do you think about Philippe's? Because that's like one of my favorite LA restaurants, and it's and it and it's like going back to what we were talking about. It's the experience. I love being there. Well, not right now with the situation, but you know the sawdust is on the floor. You go up to the counter, and you, I mean it's just amazing experience. Yeah, I mean I know people who have had like like cool guys who have had birthday parties there. It definitely like <laughs> appeals to everybody. The food is good. The food is still really expensive. Inexpensive, excuse me. Really. Yeah. Um, and the location is cool too. And if if you're a Dodgers fan, you got to go there too because it has it's like tied up with Dodgers history also. So. And, and it's also like one of the biggest hacks I have on this account is to go to an area to do something, but that also has a bunch of other stuff nearby. And my wife loves beliefs. Like that's her okay. favorite place, right? So <laughs> we go there for lunch. That's like the main thing. But then you'd walk to Chinatown. You can walk to Olivera Street. You can walk to Union Station. I mean, it's all within two blocks. Now they have LA State Historic Park right there. So there's yeah. all this stuff you can do within walking distance. And you kind of just make Philippe's like your main reason for going over there. Yeah, that's a great walking neighborhood. Um, you've also got where taquitos were invented right across the street on Olivera Street. Um, so you could do like two born in LA foods in one day. And then if you're a drinker, you could go to Union Station and go to their new refurbished bar that they have in there. That is mm -hmm. so nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you're talking in yeah, Union Station, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. That, that bar is amazing. Yeah. You know, I just thought about there's probably a million drinks that have been invented in LA, like cocktail drinks. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest being Tiki was invented in Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. You think Hawaii, right? Right. No, it was actually um, a guy. He changed his name to Don the Beachcomber. His name was Ernest Gant. But he and his wife, Sunny Sund, also a fake name, they invented tiki. And I don't, like, I think to this day, no one knows for sure if he even went to Polynesia. He just <laughs> knew that people wanted that escapism. And like, yeah. it's all vibes. Like, it's he went, he went all in, like, right? Vibes, that's it. Yeah, he went all in with the tiki. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's still, some, there's still some really cool ones that are, that are left, right? So my favorite, open since 1958, but not always a tiki bar in that history, but is a tiki bar now, is Tonga Hut in North Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I love, 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 love that bar so much. As far as I know, they're the only place in town making a real Mai Tai the way it's supposed to be. So definitely take Lyft. <laughs> Don't try yeah. there. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Because I, I know that that was, there's kind of like a fad in the U.S. for a while. I mean, it, it started in L.A., but then it kind of like they had this tiki thing going on. I don't know if it's the 70s, 80s or whenever. But then I know that there's a few that are still around, you know? Yeah, yeah. Tiki hit big mid-century, especially right after World War II. Um, and it, and for various reasons, it kind of fit into the California lifestyle. Um, Trader Vic's is from Oakland, but it is from California too. So California has always been like sort of the center of yeah. culture. And you can still go to this place, I think in Whittier called Oceanic Arts, that makes 
all of the decor for both tiki bars and different areas of Disneyland. And even though they're like wholesale, you can go in and like see them carving totems oh, and stuff. So it's cool. really great. Yeah. I love tiki. You know, I'm, I don't know if it's going to be open when all this is over, but they had a really cool hidden tiki bar in, um, oh God, I'm forgetting the name of it. It's down, oh, Clifton's, Clifton's Cafeteria. You know, it turned into a nightclub. Yep. And then they had like a hidden bar up there that was like tiki bar. And yeah. it's called Pacific something. I don't remember the Pacific name of it. Pacific There you go. Yeah. yeah. I've only been there once. It was amazing. I think they're going to have to move away from calling it tiki because here's the thing about tiki drinks. They're extremely complicated. They're all at least four ingredients. Um, and so tiki bars are really small because you just cannot mm. be making that many drinks for a huge group of people. And Pacific mm -hmm. Seas is the entire top floor. Of yeah. Course. So, so I don't know if they can keep making all those yeah. drinks for hundreds of people. <laughs> so they're probably just doing the vibe of it, but not actually doing everything in there. Yeah, probably. Okay, so you got a lot of questions thrown at you. So if you don't know these off the top of your head, no worries. But we'll okay. we'll go through some of these. So um, because food in LA is so diverse when visiting a restaurant, is it appropriate to research? I don't understand that question. Uh, there's a question about bacon wrapped hot dogs. Um, oh, yeah. Um, whether they were invented in LA? Yeah. Um, no, they were, oh gosh, I'm forgetting which state in Mexico, but they're from a specific state in Mexico. And of course people moved up here and brought them with them and everyone loves them. <laughs> yeah. We, we get so much stuff from Mexico, like, yeah. um, Baja tacos and stuff like that, you know, yeah. just, just right across the border there. Um, this person said, you can only pick one fast food spot to eat for the rest of your life. What are you picking? Oh, that sounds like hell, no matter how much you like the place. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, oh, Five Guys, because at least you can get one different thing on your burger every time. I would say in and out but I don't know if I can do that every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. What about chicken parmesan? Why would that be invented in LA? Have you ever heard anything about that? I have not. If I, I mean, maybe this person knows and isn't letting on, but... Yeah. Red sauce Italian dishes generally were invented in like New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. A lot of sense. the early Italian immigrants who came to LA were actually Northern Italian, totally different food culture. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get the same. We got our red sauce after it was invented in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can still get some things from uh, New York. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, what what magazine was it that you wrote for? You wrote for an LA um, magazine. I've written for everybody in LA. My last full time job as an employee somewhere else was I was the food editor at LA Weekly. That was um, that was it. LA Weekly. Yeah. That's the one I, I read about. Yeah. So, if there's any media nerds in the audience, um, we got bought by somebody and we all got fired, and now it like doesn't have a print edition anymore or anything. So. Yeah. Kind of sad, but at least I got in there for like 18 months before it shut down. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. But the, the reason why I asked you that is because I've actually heard of this list that I know you're responsible for, or at least partially responsible for, the Rogue 99 list. Yeah. And it basically captures the um, restaurants and food trucks that are considered L.A. essential. And I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, I create even just these short lists, like the five best hidden staircases or whatever. And it's so hard because you're always leaving someone out. So even yes. though you're doing 99, there's so many amazing restaurants in LA. So I just wanted to ask you about your process and how you choose it. And do you make sure there's a certain types of food to balance it out or, or is it just strictly the best ones make the list? 
So no, it's actually not the best restaurants. Um, some of the restaurants, a lot of people don't enjoy the food at, but they've been there since the 1930s or something. So mm -hmm. I do it with another food writer named Tian Wen. It was actually her idea when LA Weekly shut down. She's like, let's do an essentials list because that's what LA Weekly had always done. Jonathan Gold invented it. Um, but let's do it on our own. And eventually it ended up being published for a couple of years on LA Taco. Um, but you just have to sit down and you think, just okay she and i obviously know a ton about la restaurants so that actually makes it more difficult because we're like oh no we know five thousand places that could go on yeah. this list and as she always says like it's not every essential restaurant it's 99 essential restaurants so mm -hmm. your fave might not make it onto the list on a given year um we try to make sure that we're representing all areas of la county because traditionally like the valley always People are always ragging on the valley for no reason. <laughs> the valley a lot has of good restaurants in the valley. Yeah, yeah. And then like basically like south of the 10 traditionally doesn't get included on these lists very much. But it, we try and be like, what is essential? Not just like we both live in Northeast LA. Like, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends. It's like, no, let's like think beyond our day-to-day -day lives and what's essential for the city. It takes a long time to do. Um, mm. Luckily, she and I like, basically agree on everything but it still takes a really long time to narrow it down to 99 Are you guys like in a war room debating and like taking off people off the board <laughs> you know, putting people yeah. on the board <laughs> that's basically exactly it but in coffee shops yeah <laughs> yeah because i i can imagine i mean there's just so many amazing places that say la you know what i mean in yeah. fact someone's asking right here someone is visiting la for the first time what are the top three places they have to eat to experience la i mean to me, that seems like an impossible question. I mean, you could pick 99 and then it would just be the three. So yeah. for example, I always, when I want to blow someone away, I'll take them to somewhere like Yamashiro's because of the view. It's not necessarily the food. It's like right. the, the whole atmosphere or um, Castaway in Burbank, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. But if you're talking about just strictly food, I mean, there's, so it really depends on like what the experience you're trying to show somebody. For sure. You have to answer that question with a question because it's like, well, <laughs> what kind of food do they like, first of all? And yeah. then like, okay, so they like Chinese food. Which province in China? Like, come on, this is LA. You got to really dial down. Yeah, yeah. About. Also, uh, how long are they willing to sit in traffic? Where's their hotel? <laughs> like, there's just so much. <laughs> yeah, so go check out the Rogue 99 list. You can still, um, you haven't put out one this year, right? No pandemic list, no, but oh, okay. I still stand by the last one. We yeah, because so. I was looking at it um, the other day and I was like, wow, this list is amazing. I'm just going to bookmark this. So so Google that, Rogue 99 list. And if you want to find the essential LA restaurants, um, like Catherine was saying, you just, you kind of first decide, um, you have to ask some other questions, like maybe there's a certain part of town you want to be, maybe you want to eat by yep. the beach, and then you can kind of narrow it down from there or the type of food. But Yep, exactly. Okay, so we just brought up the pandemic and, you know, this has been an especially difficult year for restaurants and bars in Los Angeles, although things are starting to look brighter. I mean, I think they just opened up indoor dining and uh, the infection rates are going down. So Ellie's definitely looking up. But um, how do you see, you know, it's been impacted so much. Um, so many places have closed down, including some classics. So how do you see the restaurant scene in Los Angeles um, second half of 2021? and into 2022 do you just see a, a lot of new places coming or or what do you what does that comeback look like well first of all i think 
the city is going to be lit. I think every city will be. <laughs> People are going to go nuts. People are going to be wanting to spend money, I think. I think people who managed to stay employed during the pandemic are going to be out there just like throwing it around um, mm -hmm. because it's fun and also because it's going to be a nice thing to do at that point. Um, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit. I think that the like cooking out of your mom's kitchen type of restaurants um, are going to proliferate even more. And what I'm hoping is that the health department kind of like goes like this to it all. Cause there's mm -hmm. a lot of places running right now that technically maybe don't have the permits, but the food is fine. <laughs> it's yeah. to, like, it's, it's not going to make you sick any more than a restaurant might. Um, and I think also cause it's low overhead. So, Starting a brick and mortar restaurant is crazy expensive, wild mm -hmm. expensive, especially in a place like LA where the rents are like criminally high for no reason. And where like you can't get a liquor license, <laughs> it, they make yeah. it difficult. And that's why people are doing these alternative types of restaurants. And I think people are going to see them continuing to succeed and be like, okay, yes. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe that'll inspire some more high end places to open up because it'll feel mm -hmm. like LA is a safe place to open expensive restaurants in. I think those two things could happen at the same time, hopefully. Yeah, I agree. I think it's gonna be like roaring 2022. I mean, people are just gonna explode. I mean, yeah. you see it anytime they, re they relax it. So like when they opened up outdoor dining, people were out and now they're opening up more and people are out. So people are dying to get out there and have experiences. I think pop-ups are gonna be a big thing, continue yeah. to be a big thing. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah people are uh, going to feel experimental and I think that there's going to be room for a lot of that, a lot more than there has been in the past. For sure. Yeah. And I think that um, one thing we've seen in the LA restaurant scene is just people are so creative, you know, like mm -hmm. even during the pandemic, they were creative. So like you said, a lot more people serving out of their house and stuff. So once things are back, I mean, that creativity is just going to be like an avalanche. I know. I know for sure. Imagine if you have that creativity and like, some brick and mortar restaurant is like, you've been doing this out of your garage. Do you want to come do it out of our kitchen for a weekend? Like, ah. <laughs> I'm going to drop another one. And this is another one I haven't tried, but I keep hearing about. So that remember I, I said earlier about Calabama, I didn't mention the other one. The other one I keep hearing about is called um, Kuya Lords and it's in La Cunata and it's Filipino food, which I love. Yes. And it's out of his house, but um, I haven't, I haven't got a chance to try it, but I keep hearing really, really, really good things about it. And I love those kind of spots, you know, that have that quirky little story to them. For sure. I haven't tried that one either, but there's one person can't try all of them. There's so many. No, it's like too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So this one's going to be fun. Well, before I ask you this, I was going to do like a rapid fire kind of this and that, whatever okay. pops in your head. So there's no wrong answer here. Okay. You might you're going to make 50% of the people mad. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if we only, uh, okay. Yeah. We don't have any really good questions. So, okay. So uh, this is rapper fire, this or that related to food in LA. Mm -hmm. You got $50 for lunch. Grove farmer's market or grand central market. Grand central market. I agree. Okay. $50 for lunch. Noodles, Little Tokyo or Sawtelle? Little Tokyo, because that's where my heart is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's a good one. Dim sum, Chinatown or SGV? SGV. Um, I love Chinatown, but sorry, SGV. 
Yeah. <laughs> Chinatown's got a lot of flavor, but hands down, SGV. Oh, my yeah. God. All right. So here's the last one. Classic burger. Are you going to Apple Pan or In-N-Out? Um, I'm, I'm going to Apple Pan. Yeah. I agree with all, all of yours. <laughs> Those are all of my exact answers. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Nice, nice. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, all the In-N-Out people are probably going to hate us, but. That happens. Apple Actually, Pan. as a food writer, you get yelled at a lot for stuff that you're like, calm down. We're talking about noodles. You need to relax. <laughs> yeah, people are seriously on their team, which is good, I guess, because they're passionate about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so before we pick a question here as the winner, um, I wanted to talk about your podcast, Smart Mouth. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about it? What what is it that what is it about, and what people what can people expect from listening to your podcast? So Smart Mouth is a food history podcast, and generally, usually, I have a guest, and ahead of time, they told me what some of their favorite foods are, and then I'll sort of look around and see which one has the most interesting history. So mm. essentially I'm like the history nerd and they're the color commentary and we come together and we talk about history of a food, but it's pretty, it's a pretty cool way to like ask people questions that they haven't gotten asked before, especially if it's like an actor on a promotional tour or something like that. I get to be like, okay, but your child, <laughs> like, so it's cool. like a little bit different interview style. And then like, hopefully people learn things from it, but I keep it, relatively light i mean it's hard to talk about american food without talking about a lot of dark things in our history but yeah. there's some laughs in there as well yeah there's some dark history yeah. <laughs> but um you know the story of america is that we get to try all these foods with all the cultures together i mean it's pretty amazing especially in a city like los angeles and i imagine new york i haven't been in new york that many times but um just the vast variety of food you can taste from other countries it's incredible it's my favorite thing about the food scene in los angeles yeah for sure i mean and i do think we have kind of a monopoly on that because we're huge and then also just being on the pacific rim i kind of think that cities on the pacific rim are are, are gonna maybe have more interesting cuisine than the atlantic version mm -hmm. of it because people have been crisscrossing the pacific like crazy for all of human history <laughs> Yeah, it's that's true. I never, <laughs> yeah, I never thought about it that way. But and then I think you also get that kind of jumbo mix of the creativity of Los Angeles people too, because they're taking these foods and they're making like an LA version of it. And then you've got like these award-winning restaurateurs that are coming in and doing something with stuff. So yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. This is the best page on IG. You win. That's not a question, but you win. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> Okay, so I'm excited to ask you this question as well. We're going to get back to Los Angeles, get off the food, um, unless you want to include it in your answer. But imagine the pandemic is completely over. You have no work that day. Um, can you share with us your perfect day in L.A. from getting up to going to bed? Where would you go and what would you do to make it Catherine's perfect day in Los Angeles? Okay, so I feel like there's like 27 versions of this that I can do. <laughs> and then also we're going to maybe pretend that I can teleport. <laughs> But um, I was. Oh, you're gonna leave out the LA traffic? Is that what you're saying? You're gonna well, pretend I mean, like that doesn't exist? Do everything. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it would work. No, Maybe pretend it, it doesn't exist. This is a fantasy. Okay. You're dreaming right now. Okay. Pretend the traffic doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I would wake up early to go to the flower market downtown. Um, you can get cut flowers really cheap there, and the plants are interesting. And it's just, I 
I love it. I think it's interesting. Not every city has a wholesale flower market like that. And then I would head east and I would go hiking in the San Gabriel Mountains. Don't know which trail in particular, but I would head up there. And then since, wait, I would stop for dim sum at either Lunasia or Longo before I went up. You're in the <laughs> SGV. You have to. Yeah, exactly. And since we're there, I'd eat after hiking too. Mm -hmm. um, not dim sum again. I really like this restaurant in San Gabriel on New Avenue called Omar. It's Uyghur food, um, which does not have a huge international presence. Um, it's Muslim Chinese food. It's amazing. Wow, what, what is it called? Uyghur. Uyghur. Mm -hmm. Uyghur is, yeah, it's the ethnic group. Um, and mm. they're having a terrible time in China right now. So also you can support a group of people who needs it and their food's delicious. Okay, so that's like more east side of town and then i would cross the entire county <laughs> and i would go to rancho palos verdes and i would like hike around just sort of like tromp on the beaches check out some tide pools that kind of stuff it's so beautiful there um and then since i'm more on like the southwest side of the county i'd probably want like japanese or hawaiian food mm -hmm. um so i would probably cap it off at some place like bob's hawaiian style which is like a Hawaiian restaurant, and if anyone in, is... Is that in Carson? Or Torrance? Gardena, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah. It's... I really love it there. Um, I'm into, you know, Hawaiian food, Japanese food especially, so I'm, like, prone to liking it. But if, you, if you're from Hawaii or you've been to Hawaii and we're like, yo, this food is dope, like, that's the type of place that you want to go to to sort of recapture it. So that would mm -hmm. be... I mean, yeah, it's an eating heavy day, but that's who I am. So <laughs> you got a lot of hiking in there too, though. You got oh, yeah. STV hiking, you got yeah. uh, Palos Verdes hiking, some of the best hiking in Los Angeles. Yeah, so. building up that appetite for sure. <laughs> All right, that sounds like an amazing day. Okay, so before I let you go here, we've got to pick a winner, and I promised that I would let you pick a winner. There's one question someone sent that we didn't get to, and that is favorite underground served out of someone's house. Um, I've actually heard of a lot of those places, but I haven't been to a lot of those places. So have you, so I, I don't think I can actually answer this. Are there ones that you've been to that stand out for you that you, where it's been like someone's backyard or something? I feel really bad because I'm blanking on names of places. What's that Smashburger place that made it really popular? Never Say Die? Yeah, but that's not a backyard thing anymore. That's a straight no, up I mean, but I mean, it used to be, yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Never Say um, Die. That was, that place went crazy. Um, only one I can think of right now is the one I mentioned earlier, Kuya Lords, and then the Calabama. It's not really backyard, but it's out of her house. So mm -hmm. there's Bridgetown Roti, which I think is still a pop up, and that's Caribbean food, so that'd be cool. The Ugandan mm -hmm. place that I mentioned, um, that's out of someone's house, so I'm sure if you Googled it, you'd be able to find it. Um, Indonesian food from out near Pomona. Basically, like if you want to patronize these places, you got to do the work on Instagram. And like mm -hmm. follow all the right people and go through and be like, okay, who's following who? Where are these places? Yeah. <laughs> You'll get them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. I think, I feel like we could talk all day just because every time you throw out a country, I think of another one, but uh, really quickly, I got to get your thoughts. What do you think about Ethiopian food? Like little Ethiopia? Ethiopian food is great. And funnily enough, cause you know this too, Seattle's known for Ethiopian as yep, well. In the South of Seattle. Yeah. 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 So that's, everybody should go try that. That's definitely one of the cuisines that makes LA and everybody needs to go check out. Yeah. And, and, and again, it goes back to experience. I think if you haven't, I've taken a lot of people to eat Ethiopian food. A, I've never heard anyone 
say that they didn't like it. Right. But B, it was cool because it's a different experience. You eat with your hands. It's communal. And yeah. it's kind of like eating Moroccan food. Like it's a different experience. You're not just going to a restaurant and eating the same way you eat any other type of food. So yep. I really enjoy taking people there. For sure. All right. Pressure is on you. So you've got to pick a winner. I'm going to give them a $25 gift card to enjoy one of these awesome restaurants we've been talking about. Someone's championing themselves. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Self-promotion there. <laughs> I, you got to respect it, right? <laughs> and I won't mind if you pick a statement. But whoever that said I had the best page on IG, I mean, okay, that sounds like a winner. I'm just joking. Um, there are so many questions here. Um, yeah, did we miss some questions? No, I think no, we got all the like, questions. No, just like it came so fast that I didn't see all the, um, because Food Nelly is so diverse when visiting a restaurant, is it appropriate to research cultural, acceptable traditions, manners? Yeah, for sure. That would not be offensive. People love it when you try and figure out how to eat, how their people eat. Like if, Yeah, definitely. Like It's like eating with chopsticks. You, yeah, you figure it out. <laughs> you learn it. I think that that's great. Um, so, guys. It sounds like Catherine's not blown away by any questions. So if you want to slip one in there, you got a no, good no, shot. No. You got a good I shot if you want to just, slip one last question in there. I'm just I'm trying to trying to be fair. Um you know what? I think her advocating for or herself or himself or whoever worked BDB, um, asking what is friendship. I love that because yeah, yeah. we completely didn't explain it. We assumed everyone knew. How dare we? So, yes, clarifying <laughs> question for the win. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, not scared to ask, right? And when you, you know what? You should take, I'm going to give you the $25 to Philippe so you can have a French tip. So you have to live in LA. If you don't live in LA or like near, then whenever you come to visit, I'm not going to send you like a gift certificate to another country or anything like that. But if you're in Los Angeles or if you don't live here, then when you come, I guarantee you DM me. If you live here, DM me now and I'll send you the gift certificate. But I think you should spend it at Philippe's or good French dip. Yeah. Cole's is the other one, right? Yeah. Either one, either one will set you up. Right. <laughs> I'm going with Philippe's just because I, that's nostalgic in my heart. So I've always got to go with them. <laughs> that's a good choice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So B D B E A DM me and I will get you that $25 so you can spend at a restaurant. Hopefully enjoy your first French dip sandwich. Catherine, <laughs> it was so awesome. It was so much fun. Even though we, had technical explosion at the end. It turned out to be a good time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, where can people go to find out more about you and where can they go to find out more about the Smart Mouth Podcast? So there is smartmouthpodcast.com, but you can also just find it on any podcast player. There's a newsletter, smartmouth.substack.com. I, of course, am on this Instagram account, um, Smart Mouth Podcast, and then also on Twitter, Catherine Spires, my name. And then on Instagram, it's Catherine underscore Spires. That pretty much covers it, I think. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was a lot of fun, and I hope we get to do it again. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Okay, bye. Have a good night. Bye. Welcome back, LA Hacker. This is Stefan, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Catherine Spires, an LA food journalist, historian, and host of the Smart Mouth Podcast. If you want to find out more about Catherine or her podcast, go to smartmouthpodcast.com. 
or any of the other places she mentioned, and I also have links to them in the show notes. Okay, on to my hack, and it's going to be about pop-ups. We talked about them in this ep- episode in the conversation I had with Catherine, but I recently just experienced them, so I wanted to share with you. And uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Calabama. And again, we talked about in our conversation. We talked about it in our conversation, but let me just describe it to you. Um, so Calabama is basically this lady in East Hollywood who kind of was out of work because of the pandemic. So she started this new business where she um, sells these amazing Southern breakfast sandwiches. But the cool thing is she's on a fire escape and she delivers it through a bucket. And, you know, the, the sandwich is in a bag and then she drops it down in a bucket. It's kind of like an Instagram sensation. You can go on my account, um, LifeXLA, on Instagram and click on the reels and, you, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But the reason why I'm talking about it now is because I actually experienced it for the first time this past Sunday. And it was cool. I mean, the sandwich is really good. I mean, probably not something I would have every day, but um, you know, with the the experience of it and, and, and how original it is, and the sandwich. Don't get me wrong, the sandwich is really good. Um, I would definitely recommend it. Now, just to give you a little bit of insight, it takes it, it's hard to get in because she basically allows you to reserve a spot on Thursdays at noon. If you go to her Instagram, she puts the link up, and then you have to reserve a spot. But there's only about, I think it's like four hours, two to four hours where she does um, Sundays where you can reserve a spot to go pick it up. But um, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of hard to get in. I mean, um, I, I finally got in. I, I mean, I wasn't too on top of it. Like I'd always forget or I'd come in late or whatever. But uh, if you want more information on that, you can go to Calabama on Instagram um, and, and find out more. Like I said, there's a reel I have that's pretty popular reel and, and, and you'll find it. But definitely a cool experience and worth checking out. The second one we also talked about in the conversation with Catherine, and that's Kuya Lords. It's a Filipino pop-up in La Cunada out of um, this guy's house. And uh, I did a little research on him, and he is actually a, a chef. He, he was a chef in, in uh, some pretty popular LA restaurants, and now he started working out of his house. And I think, again, it was related to the pandemic. Been hearing a lot about this place. I'm super excited because I reserved a spot there as well. Now, this one, I haven't actually gotten the food yet. That's coming up this weekend. but. Um, I just wanted to go over a little bit about how the experience was reserving the spot. So with him, he same thing, it's on his Instagram. He posts when he's available for pickup and then you DM him and then he sends you the menu. So the menu like rotates and um, I'm doing like an Easter one. But uh, so he sent me the screenshots. I, I Venmoed him the money um, when I told him what I wanted to order. And then he sends you the address and then you have to go pick it up in your time slot right out of his house. I will tell you it was a little pricey. I was a little surprised by how much it cost, but um, I'm assuming he gives you big portions because I've had a lot of Filipino meals with my friends and they they typically have large portions. So I'm guessing that's why it was, but the one that I ordered was $75, I think. It was one of the cheapest ones and it uh, it says it serves two people, one to two people. So, um, but I've read that uh, they're big portions. So we'll see what happens, but um, I definitely recommend Calabama and um, Kuya Lords. Everything I've heard, I haven't actually tried it, but I'm gonna be trying it this weekend. Uh, those are two cool little pop-ups you can check out, uh, support small businesses that were affected by the pandemic. And also both very, very cool experiences, which we all know we love here in Los Angeles. It's not just about the food, it's about the experience. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of background about what my experience was in ordering those um, from those places. 
but uh, go check them out. Calabama and Kuya Lord on, on Instagram. It's Kuya underscore Lords. Is it Lord or Lords? Kuya underscore. Oh, it's Kuya, Kuya Lord underscore LA. Okay, Kuya Lord underscore LA on Instagram for the Filipino food and Calabama for the breakfast, Southern breakfast sandwich delivered in a bucket. All right, LA Hackers, that's all I have for you this week, and I will see you again soon. Take care.